0: Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org forward slash resources. We're on part two. Last week uh, we we shared, and you'll turn on one side of your bulletin on your handout. the, The preaching last week was on the spirit of truth that has come and will guide you into all truth. John 16, 13. If you let Him. <laughs> so part two, turn that over. Living continually and consciously in the presence of God. And I gave you a homework assignment. I don't know how successful or were you able to try this, where we would deliberately seek to walk in the presence, the awareness of the presence of the, of the Holy Spirit every moment during the week. How about you? But even my wife commented. For the first three days of the week—Monday, Tuesday—it's like, yeah. And then Thursday, it wavered a little bit. I had to apologize to my wife. And uh, right, honey, and you received it, right? Amen. <laughs> She's saying yes. Just note, note the camera says she said yes. All right. Um, I want us to—I want to kind of set this down because I believe this is really an important part of where we are in the spirit realm. Last week, we looked at the spirit of truth that has come. We laid the foundation that um, Jesus and the disciples did not begin their ministry until they were water baptized and filled with the spirit. We looked at Luke chapter 3 and, Jack, you know, and Luke 4. Remember, now Jesus didn't have any sin. But it, John even tried to talk him out of it, right? He says, it, "But Jesus said, no, it's necessary. that.'" And he was baptized. And as soon as Jesus went in the water, it says, heaven was actually literally means in the Greek, ripped open. And it says, the father spoke. This is my son. His identity was, I, was released. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. And then it says, in the form of a dove, the Holy Spirit came down. John was told that the one you see the Holy Spirit rest on is the Messiah. That's really key. Now, John, we know he was a cousin. We know the history of the story of the, the Christmas story with Elizabeth and Zacharias. So they were cousin. and John's ministry about a forerunner leading the way, but it was at that moment the revelation of who the Messiah confirmed through the prophet John. And so we laid that foundation, and I believe that you cannot live a victorious Christian life without the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I mean, if Jesus and the disciples didn't begin their ministry then, and we know that when we, we went to Acts chapter 8, we went to Acts chapter 9, we know from Acts chapter 1, don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends the gift that He promised, right? <laughs> That comes through in the Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, but then we see they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. They're speaking in tongues. There's this conversion of 3,000 people added to Christ in one day, right? And then we see in Acts chapter 8 during the persecution phase, Philip, the one who worked at the house of mercy ministry with the widows, he goes to Samaria to the half-breeds, the racism that was going on in that point, and the Holy Spirit is poured out. And so Peter and John go. They're sent there and says, "How how can this be going on in Samaria? right? So they send the big guns there from Jerusalem. The first says the Holy Spirit had not yet fallen on them. They were believers. And they asked them, well, what have you been baptized in water? So Philip brings the salvation message. He brings the water baptism. It says miracles were happening. Demons were being cast out. Signs and wonders were following through Philip. But when they get there, the first thing is the Holy Spirit hadn't fallen yet. Had not come on them yet. We see even more clearly in Acts chapter 19, verse 1 through 6, when Paul comes to Ephesus and he says, There were 12 Greek brothers, 12 Greek, Greek Yeah, easy for you to say, believers that were there. And he says that, that the first question he asked them. Now you if you're new to a city and just for there's a lot of things you might do. But scripture accounts, the first question asked is Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, in some of my past denominationalism, of course I received the Holy Spirit when I believed. My spirit man was born again. That is not the end of it. We saw in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, there are multiple baptisms. We see it throughout the book of Acts, right? And so, the, the point of this is there's not enough emphasis that the Holy Spirit is the only God on earth right now. And without Him present in our lives, you cannot do this. None of us can. And so we must be baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's why that, and I try to lay out biblically why I believe that to be true. All right, so now we know from the interaction that Jesus had, I shared this out of Luke 10, the religious lawyer comes to Jesus and he says to him, what must I do to receive eternal life? And he says, well, what does the Scripture say, religious lawyer? <laughs> he says, well, he says, he quotes out of Deuteronomy. He says, thou must love the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, soul, and spirit. He says, you've spoken correct. Now go and do this, and you will live. And I ask the question, how many of you are born again and living in eternal life? And you all raise your hand. I said, praise God. Now how are you doing in your love of God with all your heart and with all your mind and with all your soul and with all your strength? That's the journey we're on. Did you learn to love? Are we able to love? You can't. You can't. When you look at the different uh, descriptions of love in the Scriptures, that agape love comes from Him and Him alone. And so We also looked at the scriptures in Ephesians 4.30 and 1 Thessalonians 5. This is all on that first handout where it says you can grieve, you can quench the Holy Spirit. Basically, you can make the Holy Spirit sad and you can stifle him if you don't walk in this place of allowing him. And you can make him sad. And you can hinder in the process of your walk. So the question I asked this last week, I want to ask it again. Honestly, ask yourself how real and how relevant is the Holy Spirit in your life today? How real and how relevant is God the Holy Spirit in our lives today? Honestly, we have to answer that one because if how can we love and find eternal life without loving Him with all that we are and all my strength and all my mind and all my will? Uh, Here's an analogy. Here's a a Tom parable. The Holy Spirit, we looked at this in John 14 and 16. He is called the guide, the counselor, the advocate, the dunamis. (laughs) He's the spirit of truth over and over again. It's the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit is your life GPS. He's God's powerful service, all right? When you receive him... He comes in. He is your GPS. Now, the problem with that, at salvation, he installs the GPS. At water baptism, he turns on the GPS. When you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, he puts the coordinates in, and he gives you the map, all right? And so, now, the question is, are, do you ever turn on your GPS, and you kind of, I know better, <laughs> and you don't follow it, and it's like, and then you get lost, and it's like, Rerouting, rerouting, rerouting. <laughs> she drives me happy sometimes, right? You can choose whether you follow the GPS. You can choose whether you turn it on and put the, let the coordinates be there, right? But if you will, he gives you the best route to take. He even tells you when there's traffic there, you get the red lines in. And it's like, oh, that's going to slow you down. You're on the fastest route, right? And so this is that his service, his God power service that's put inside us, that he allows us to then seek after. But there's a whole lot of when we get so familiar with the worldliness that we think we know. Right? He says there's a way known to man that that actually leads to death. That familiar spirit with worldliness is very, very destructive. And so the Lord wants us to not be deceived. So if you look at your handout, um, I want us to Be so conscious of living continually and consciously in the presence of God. The quality of our life here will depend on how well we cultivate this relationship. Obedience to walking with God in the Holy Spirit. We're after a heightened awareness, I am, of His presence and our response to the kingdom direction. If we, I'm serious, if you will live in that intentionality of the presence of God. Yeah, in your workplace, in your schooling, in your home, whatever you're doing, the chores you're at, I'm just aware of His presence. And any major decision, ask Him. What did He say in James 1.6? He says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask the Lord. And so ask Him, is this you? Is this me? Am I doing this? Is this right? I don't know about you, but um, I journal. I've told you this. I journal. When I have major questions because the, the Word of God has three parts, right? It is the Word, it is the strategy, and it's the direction or the timing of that. And if you get any of those out of order, you're going to get messed up. Abraham did. Right? You're going to be the father of many nations. 25 years later he's got no nations. So his wife comes to him. Culturally it was acceptable. Why don't you sleep with my handmaiden? Hello. And Ishmael's born and we still have problems with that, Right? And there's no indication that Abraham, who walked with God, ever asked God, is this okay? He got wrapped up in the cultural aspect of that, and it made a mess. Caused a lot of drama in his family. Now, God's a redeemer. I I said this morning at my newcomer's class, he factors in our stupidity, and then he makes it all work out for good. What a God we serve. Okay, Let's, uh, let's take a look. One of the deceptions that we need the Holy Spirit to be guiding us in everything. This week I got really um, disappointed, discouraged. And I'm not, you know, I don't want to attack any particular faith unless they are leading people down a pathway that is apostate. And right now, there. I don't know if you saw this, but I encourage you to go online and look up under Pope Francis his initiative that he's going to take place May Fourteenth, 2020. There's a, a number of Catholic bishops and cardinals that have actually come out against the Pope. That's, that's very unusual. My wife and I listened to one of the mother superiors. What's her name? Do you remember? Mother Miriam. Mother Miriam. And uh, basically identified this. Look at it. It's First of all, in September of this year, there was a, um, a global pact that was formed. Actually, it was in February. Was, I'm sorry. It was in February of uh, this year. He came out and he, it was a, he signed an agreement with the grand imam in Abu Dhabi, Abu Dhabi, yeah. And it was on the diversity of religion that was willed by God that we're supposed to come together. Well, now on May 14th of 2020, he is announced in Rome actually this past week, September 13th, he announced he's rolling out the global pact to create the new humanism. He's invited all religious, political leaders, and athletes to come and sign this agreement that will bring educational change of mentality through education on the new humanism. There is no discussion of Christ, and the, the folks even within His own structure that are saying, this is a quote, this is not God. He is not hearing God on this. And so, um, we just need to have our antennas up, aware, you know, I'm not critical of those because I've met many that, you know, follow Christ in all of the different faiths that are coming along and they're coming into Christ. But it is Christ and Him alone. There's not another way up the mountain, okay? So anyway, I I just want us to be aware that we need to have our antennas up. Um, I believe we are getting very close. All that's going on in Israel right now, all that's happening, the uh, the rise of all this stuff, this climate change fiasco and all that's being indoctrinated here. If you listen to the climatologists, there was one, the other. This is bogus, okay? You do your own research. Don't get caught up in all. You go study this. Go listen to the ones where we are in the cycle of all things. This This is a technique or a a way to get our children indoctrinated. When you have a million school children take the day off in New York, some of them in grade schools that are now, they, they're holding banners. They're just, we need to be very aware of what's happening. This whole indoctrination of our children in all this crazy confusion about identity and gender, and it is all part of the deception that Paul warned us to Timothy there will be doctrines of demons and that they will call evil good and good evil. We are living in that day. He said it would come, and I believe we're here. So let's keep our antennas up, stay grounded in truth, right? All right. Let's, uh, let's look at number one there in your handout, life in the spirit. You know from Matthew six thirty three, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything that you need Will be added to you. Seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything you need will be added to you. Well, Paul tells us, number two, there, well, what is the kingdom? The kingdom, Romans 14, 17, is righteousness. There it is again. Peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is righteousness, right living, right choices. That brings peace and joy. That's the consequences of that walk in the righteousness. And then it's in the Holy Spirit. The first three days of this week, it was like there was this overwhelming sense of peace and joy. I just like, I mean, I've experienced that many times, but it was like, just like constantly throughout. It was like, whew, that was just like really good. Hallelujah. So, I believe there's, a, there's, obviously, there's something in the righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Well, this one may be a little rocky. Turn with me to 1 John, and let's look at chapter 3 and verse 7. Now, John is the only surviving apostle at the time of this writing. He's, it's written in 90 A.D. to the church at Ephesus. He died a few years later. So he had seen a whole bunch of what had gone on in in the church. The only one who had not been martyred at that point, you know, he would written the book of Revelation. He was given the revelation while in, in prison at the Isle of Patmos. And he writes in 1 John chapter 3. Let's begin there in verse 1. I've titled this in number 3 in the handout, Evidence of conversion is walking by the Spirit and not by the flesh. There are many that says, "You know, this. We love grace, but if we get too cheap on the grace, we will we'll excuse our behavior." And so, John, this is, you know, those who talk about one saved, always saved, or no. This is the chapter that the not always saved folks use. So uh, you can line them up. Remember, we did that. Here's all the verses that says you can't, and here's all the verses that says you can lose. This is one. I'm just gonna. This is a sobering chapter of why we want to walk in the Spirit, because he starts out positive, and then he gets negative, and then he goes positive. And so, verse one, you there? First John three one. I'll read out of the New Living, but I'll probably reference the King James as well. See how very much our Father loves us. Yay! <laughs> we love that. For he calls us his children, and that is what we are. Can you see the old man? Can probably, he's, he's writing this letter to the church at Ephesus. It was in revival. See how very much Timothy, Paul's spiritual son, was the senior pastor at that church during the revival. See how very much our father loves us. For he called us his children, and that's who we are. But the people who belong to this world, they don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know Him. Dear friends, we are already God's children, but He has not shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we know, we do know, that we will be like Him, for we will see Him as He really is. Boy, that's awesome. And all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure, just as He is pure. Everyone who sins is breaking God's law, for all sin is contrary to the law of God. And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins, and there is no sin in Him. Anyone, anyone, anyone who continues to live in Him will not sin. But anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil. Hello who has been sinning since the beginning, but the Son of God who came to destroy the works of the devil, those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning. Because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning. Because they are the children of God. So now we can tell who the children of God are and who the children of the devil Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. Now that'll sober you right up. Amen? And so, it's like, well, practice sinning, lifestyle of sinning. It's like, no, I got Jesus, but I can do all this stuff. I can smoke dope. I can get drunk. I can be immoral. I can sleep. I can do all the. I can steal. I can justify how I steal. No, you cannot. It is not a practice now there's no perfectionism here, right? Because we know from Ephesians four, uh, Ephesians 2 eight nine it's grace that saved us through faith, not of works. Anybody would brag about that. It's by grace that we've been saved. And so but once we're saved, there needs to be evidence, right? If people were to analyze your life, go spend a day with you, they would quickly understand the fruit that's in your life. And so This scripture is sobering. Let's read on. This is the message that you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We can't be like Cain who belonged to the evil one. That was Wednesday night's study. What a great study that uh, John Bevere did, right, Wednesday here. He talked all about Cain and Abel and their sacrifices. The brother can be uh, doing what it was righteous, so don't be surprised, brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. If we love our Christian brothers and sisters, it proves that we've passed from life to death. But the person who has no love is still dead. Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart, and you know that no murderers don't have eternal life within them. We know that real love is because Jesus gave up His life for us. We ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. So, this Scripture is pretty sobering. So, the question is, how's your practice, (laughs) How are we doing in your practice of walking out with Christ? Right now, I got good news coming. It's in. It's let's turn to Romans eight. That'll bring us some good news. Well, before we get there, let me give you a little more sobering news. Turn with me to Galatians. Let's go to Galatians five for a moment. In Galatians chapter five, this is a familiar scripture, but I think it it really hammers home again life in the Spirit, and it's called uh, the New Living Translation actually titles it "Living by the Spirit's Power." Living by the Spirit's power, which is a premise that says you can't do this unless you have the Spirit's power. That's why Jesus told the disciples in Acts chapter 1, don't leave until the Father sends the gift. Soon you'll receive the Holy Spirit and power that He had promised, right? And then you're going to become the witnesses for me. All right, verse 16, Galatians five sixteen. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Let, King James says, this then I say, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. New Living says, let the Holy Spirit guide your life. Turn on the GPS. Then you won't belong to, you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. I really like this verse. The two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you will not be free to carry out your good intentions. But when you're directed by the Spirit, you are under no obligation to do with the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, here's the results. They're very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasure, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, is there anything else, is there anything left, and any other sins like these, let me tell you again, as I have before, anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. There's no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ have nailed the passions and the desires of the sinful nature to the cross, crucified them there. Since we're living by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit's leading. In every part. Did you get the difference there? Since we are living by the Spirit, you've got to follow His leading in every, every part of your life. Let's not become conceited or provoke one another or jealous of one another. This scripture um, is really loaded. If you look at this one, let's turn to Romans chapter 8. In Romans 8, again, my Bible titles this in the King in the New Living, Life in the Spirit. I counted it 21 times in 39 verses. Holy Spirit or Spirit is mentioned. You think it's important? <laughs> 21 times in 39 verses. I think, you know, whoa. Okay. So let's Romans 8, 1. Are you there? Life in the Spirit. So there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ. That's good. So he's not to condemn you. If you've messed up and you've, had, you know, some, you've been practicing some sin, this is a good day to stop practicing. Get filled with the Holy Ghost and stop that. Stop practicing it. Make a, make a decision to turn away. Because he had just gone in, verse, in chapter 7, he said, oh, wretched man that I am. I, the things I don't want to do, I do. And then he goes on, but thank God that the Holy Spirit has come, right? And then he writes in chapter 8, he says, so there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. It leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent His Son in a body like the bodies we sinners have, and in that body God declared an end to sin's control over us. By giving His Son as a sacrifice for our sins, He did this to the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us. And we no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. So it gives you the choice that Paul said in Galatians 5. You're never free from this battle. Tomorrow morning when you wake up, that old character and that sinful creature thing is still there. But you can nail that to the cross and follow him. And so he said, I've empowered you to be able to do this through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's keep reading. But you're not controlled. Verse 9, you're not controlled by your sinful nature. You're controlled by the Spirit. Let me back up. Number f- Verse 5, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. Now, there's a clue. What's running through your mind? Now, I recognize your thought life may not be your thought life, right? Now, if you're watching stuff and doing stuff and hanging stuff and you park there long enough, it can get a root and can get there. But it says, so we need to find out what realm is trying to influence my thinking. It's kind of like this. You ever see a child that, or maybe yourself, you've watched a slasher movie? And then you've got the light on and you're looking under the bed? Right? Don't watch it. Don't, don't partner with that stuff, right? There's a spirit behind there. It's called fear. There's a spirit of lust behind, you know, the, the things of the some of these movies and porn and all that. There's a spirit of lust there. And then you wonder why I'm thinking about all that stuff, right? Don't go there. He says, listen. Those who are dominated, hear the word domination there, dominated by the sinful nature, think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, think about things that please the Spirit. See, we don't grieve Him and we don't hinder Him. We don't hold Him back. So letting your sinful nature, letting your sinful nature, verse 6, control your mind leads to death. By letting the Spirit Control your mind leads to life and peace. That's good news, right? For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. That's why those who are still under the enemy, the control of the sinful nature can never please God. But you're not controlled by the sinful nature. You're controlled by the Spirit. Here we go again. It's like repeating. If, could circle that, if you have the Spirit of God living in you, if, and remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you've been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as He raised Christ from the dead, He gives your mortal body, He quickens it, and by the Spirit living within you. Therefore, verse 12, Brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if, here we go again, for if you live by the dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Holy Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. I don't know how it gets any more clear and repetitive and over. He's like, you're going to be without, if he pulls this out, when we, when people stand before him in the courthouse in heaven, he says, did you read chapter 8? I kind of printed it there for y'all. <laughs> Wipes. Just speaking to all of us. Come on, we just need to get some, we need some, just a good, sober revelation of the fear of the Lord. This grace, grace, grace. Yes, I love his grace. Yes, he declares us righteous. But we have a whole lot of choice of things that we choose. Verse 15. So, you've not received the spirit that makes you fearful slaves. He also declares us His children in verse 14. If you live by the Spirit, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit are the children of God. Verse 15. So you have not received the Spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now we call Him Abba Father. For His Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we're His children, we are His heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are the heirs of God's glory. But if we share His glory, we must share His suffering. Yet, when we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that He will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for the full future day when God will reveal who His children really are. Imagine that. Will the real children of God please stand? (laughs) Holy. Against its will, all creation has been subject to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when we will join as God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth right up to the present time, and we believe also and groan as believers, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of His future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait for the eager hope of the day when God will give us our full rights as adopted children, including new bodies of promise. Hallelujah. I always tell Pastor Terry, man, I'm you take a look, man, I'm going to be buff one day. Right? He's got muscles I didn't know I had. Hallelujah. Verse 24, we have been given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something that we don't need to hope for, we don't have it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Can everybody say amen? Amen. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. Now, this is really good. We don't know sometimes what we're to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. That's why you got to speak in tongues, folks. you got to skip this brain thing here and go right from the spirit man into heaven, get in the courtroom, There's times when my brain is praying, give me this, Lord, give me that, and the Holy Spirit's saying, no, don't you give him that, Lord. I know better, all right, all right? Not that we pray amiss, but hey, sometimes we pray. James warns us, don't pray out of your desire that's not really godly, your double-mindedness and all that, right? He goes on, he says, for when he said, he, he, God causes everything. The Spirit pleads for us, and verse 20 causes all things to work together for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. For God knew His people in advance, and He chose them to become like His Son, so that the son, His Son would be the firstborn, among many brothers and sisters. Having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. So you—that that is a jam-packed chapter. If you meditate on that. It's like you can't, you got to let the Holy Spirit move if you don't. And you match that up with First John, and it's like, woo. Then he gives some really great news. Those who are walking in that place, desiring to walk with him, not condemned, but I'm setting aside the things that are of the past and now searching and seeking for those things forward. He tells us in verse 31, nothing can separate us from God's love. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can be ever against us? Since he didn't spare his own son but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse you whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. See, as we walk in that righteous place, seeking that, letting the Holy Spirit move and lead us and guide us, repenting when we need to repent, but not practicing sin, he says, who can be against you? He's given you right standing. In fact, earlier in chapters, Romans 3, 4, 5, and 6, I think I counted how many times he says, you are declared the righteousness of Christ by faith in him. But then he goes on later, he says, but you've got to walk this out. People want to just take, well, we're right with him, I got it. I, I may walk the altar back in Ot 06, and I'm good to go. Mm. Got to look at the whole Scripture. If He gave us right standing with Himself, then who can condemn us? No one. Christ died for us and was raised to life for us and is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. So not only is the Holy Spirit pleading for us, now we've got Jesus pleading for us. Do you think the Father hears Jesus' prayers? I think it's a guarantee. I don't know how that all works. The triune God, they're like, they know everything about each other. It's like, yeah, and now Jesus is praying Lord, you got to do this for Tom. He's just like, he needs help. (laughs) Praise God. I think he's going to pray for us. Then he goes on in verse 35, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity, persecuted, hungry, destitute, in danger, threatened with death? For the scripture says, for your sake, we are killed every day. We're being slaughtered like sheep. No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, angels, demons, the fears for today, the worry about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky or above the earth or below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus. Man, that is a powerful statement of the love of God that is so powerful and so determined that that ought to just float our boat like, God, you love us. Why wouldn't I want to listen to what God the Holy Spirit is saying? There was a statement. I think Ron might have put it out this week from Bill Johnson. He said, we should start working. I think in in, uh, Wednesday morning, Jason actually called it out. He says, how would you walk if the Holy Spirit dove just took a land right here? That little dove landed right here. How would you walk through the day to not chase the dove away? he would be be real quiet. Kids, don't 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 scare them away. Don't, don't get angry and scare the dove away. You'd walk. That's what I believe the Holy Spirit is asking us to do through the Scriptures. When you wake up tomorrow morning, and you ask the Holy Spirit, the first things when I become aware of who I am and where I'm going in the morning, before I even get out of bed, good morning, Father, good morning, Lord, good morning, Holy Spirit, thank you, and I, I intentionally put my mind on the things of Christ. And now, Lord, help me to walk through this day. Don't chase the dove away, because the character on the other side, right, the world and all that stuff, sometimes like, <laughs> Lord. Have mercy. Taking every thought captive, right? All right, let's finish the outline. We'll be done. I want us to see life in the Spirit. First of all, in that walking by the Spirit, number four, the power and the promise of living in the Spirit. There's a powerful promise here. First, there's no condemnation. So I don't care what you do. You know, I've done some really wild prayer ministries of late, um, and I've had people tell me, "I don't know if God can forgive me." Pastor, you know how what I did, and I said, "You mean that you think that the royal blood of Jesus is not enough for you, but for everybody else?" That's a lie, right? The royal blood of Jesus is is more than sufficient, and so there. Anything you've done, I don't care if you've been practicing sin all week. If you're here this morning, this is the invitation. Close that door. Get filled and empowered. When we call forth uh, the ministry team, come and get baptized in the Holy Spirit and walk out of here. Last week when the Holy Spirit fell in here, it was awesome. I've heard testimonies this week. And so people that were struggling or not struggling and those who've been walking, this is the place where he says there's no condemnation. There's no guilt and shame. There's no fear. In fact, when you repent, this is what's so amazing about our God. 1 John 1.9 says, confess your sins to him. He's faithful to forgive you from all unrighteousness. From all unrighteousness. Then he says, the God who knows everything can't remember that sin. How does that work? I, I don't know. how It's like the blood is so amazing what his son did. He only sees the blood. He can't see what we did. So that's why you can tell the devil, get lost, Dude. You're such a lying deceiver. I've been set free, and it's under the blood for the glory of God. Yeah. Now, if your mother-in-law or somebody else—I'm not picking up mother, comes and says, "Yeah, I remember when you said that's under the blood for the glory of God," yeah. All right? So, just walk in freedom. Why? Because that freedom will set you free. When you really get a hold of—I love when when Mike Thornton would get up here and he'd say, "I did this and I did this and I did this," and his people are like. He opens his mouth and admits that. Yeah. Why? Because we're so free. It's no longer to my charge. If I believe the lie, it's still in my charge, then I'll walk in guilt and shame. But if I'm set free, I fall more in love with him. He took all that stuff. So we ought to get free. So this is there is no condemnation, right? And then it says we are free from sin. Woohoo! How does that work? Well, we know in Romans 6 it says, When you were baptized in water, You went into the water and that old character died. And the word there in the Greek is kartageo means he's been put out of business. Unemployed. That character is unemployed. So, but we walk in the old character. He's there. I mean, you know, it's like. And so if you start to put him back in business, you employ him again. Start feeding that character. Guess what? He'll come alive. And there's a warning. There's a real warning in Matthew 12. The generation, this will be the marking of that generation. When the house has been swept clean and it is cleaned and filled and you open that door, seven worse will come on you. We, this is not a game. He is either Lord of all or He is not Lord at all. So we need to stop playing the games. He is our Lord. We need to walk in that place. Lord, help me in my weakness. You said the Holy Spirit would help me in my weakness. And there are areas of my weakness that I need you to come and crucify that character. Because I'm gonna nail my passions and desires to the cross daily and take up my cross and follow you. Follow me. But he said, count the cost of discipleship. You need to count the cost of discipleship. I need to count the cost of discipleship. It is that place. I know I'm I'm shouting. My wife always says, <laughs> You are growling. <laughs> I don't want to growl. I don't want. But I believe the Holy Spirit is saying to us, please come. I, I give you everything you need to walk this out. So don't fall into condemnation. If you mess it up, First John 1, 9 says, come to him. If you're having struggle in your, whole, in your soul, man, James 5 says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much, confessing our sins one to another that you might be sozoed, Greek, saved, healed, and delivered. So there's this place where, man, I'm struggling. Go find some trustworthy brothers and sisters. Come to prayer ministry. Say, look, here's my stuff, and I need you to help me put some nails in this coffin to keep this dude dead. He says he would get, he's not a liar. He's not a a man that he should lie. He will give us the spirit. But you got to cultivate that. What are you listening to? What are you focused on? What are you enjoying? What are the things? How are you being led? These are the questions That John and so easily and Paul so easily says, follow the Spirit. All right. See, the Spirit witnesses that we are the children of God. This is when you, I don't know of any greater peace that just when the witness of the Holy Spirit is, he loves me just the way I am. I I think of Leif Hedlund. He just so knows that God loves him. He loves me. And when you get a hold of that fact, that he really loves you, some of us have walked through stuff in life, it's hard to, to know the love of God or know the, that, but God can break in. And when that happens, oh, why wouldn't you be filled with peace and joy? God loves me. I know where I'm going. And now he gives me X number of days to fulfill and get others. I heard a song this morning on the way in, I don't know if you heard it, it says, I'm just a nobody. My mom's been telling me. He's raising up all the nobodies. (laughs) He's just a nobody. I'm just a nobody telling everybody about somebody. And we know who that somebody is, right? It's like, yes, Lord. That's such a good song. I, I don't know who wrote that, but it's good. It's like, okay. So the Spirit witnesses, and we're heirs We'll have no idea. That's that, you know, eye has not seen and ear has not heard what God has prepared for those who love Him. But we know by the Spirit. So the Spirit, we're going to be, it's going to be amazing, right? That promise of the future. New bodies, I can't wait for that, right? All the wrinkles gone, all the fat cells and cellulite is gone. It's like, <laughs> I know I'm not talking to anybody here, just me. But uh, so help us in our weakness, O oh God. He says the Holy Spirit prays, gee And the Father hears and works it all out. He gives us right standing, Romans 8.30. He then says we're not separated from His love. Then it says Jesus pleads for us and prays for us. Now this verse, I don't understand this one. Verse K there, it says, we're more than conquerors. What in the world? How can you be more than a conqueror? I mean, you go in and you conquer the kingdoms of darkness, and you get all the booty, you get all the stuff, you've killed the devil's, you know, you're more than a but you're more than a conqueror. What in the world? We're more than conquerors. We're child. We we we're we're warriors, we're we're kingdom fighters, we're in the fight, we're in the we're we're pulling people. What did Jude say? Jesus' brother says, Snatch them from the flames of destruction, right? And so this is that place where we're more than conquerors. You might stand up in the morning and look in the mirror and say, I'm more than a conqueror. Woo! Yeah, get really... Honey, I'm more than a conqueror. <laughs> yeah, okay. Bring the garbage out, please. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay. Nothing present or things to come. No power anywhere can separate us from that. Nothing can separate us from God. All right, we've got just a few minutes left. I wanted to share some history. This is really a neat um writing It was on how power came on various generals. There's a book called God's Generals that uh, we may do on a Wednesday night. Pastor Terry said uh, we probably wouldn't look at it. We did it a few years back, but it might be time to look at it again. We studied Wesley's life and man when you look at Wesley's testimonies of how he cast out demons and the Holy Spirit Fell. They warned people, don't get in the trees. When he preaches, you'll fall out and he die, right? And so, and they were critical of him in his, in his deliverances and stuff. So, this one was about, some of these you'll realize, I'll just pull out a couple. Um, this particular one's um, being filled with the Holy Spirit. These are the testimonies of these generals who walked with God, but then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit fell. Uh, Charles Finney, in 1821, he was, one, he was in the north, uh, up by New York, in that area. Um, Billy Graham said this about him. Few men have ever had such profound impact on their generation as Charles Grandison Finney. Through his spirit-filled evangelistic ministry, encountered thousands that came to know Christ, resulting in one of the greatest periods of revival in American history. In the following excerpts, Finney recounts his empowering by the Holy Spirit while he was in his law office. It was in 1821. This is from his own personal memoirs. As I turned and was about to take a seat by the fire, I received a mighty baptism of the Holy Ghost. Without any expectation of it, without having even a thought in my mind, there was such a thing for me, without my recollection that I have ever heard the thing mentioned. So I mentioned this last week. There's been some forerunners in the Holy Spirit that have now pushed this through where there was... Now, there's a new mention of deliverance and healing. Uh, We see the prophetic. These things have been hidden in the church. Even though you go back into the early annals of the church, they were all there. So, through the dark ages, a lot. But now, we see what happens. Here's what happens. He says, "The, the Holy Spirit descended on me in a manner that seemed to go through my body and my soul. I could feel the impression like a wave of electricity going through me. Indeed, it seemed to come in waves of liquid love, for I could not express it in any other way. It seemed like the very breath of God. I can recollect distinctly that it seemed to fan me like an immense wing. I wept aloud with joy. I do not know, literally bellowed out in utterable gushings of my heart. The waves came over me, over me, over me, until I collect and cried out, I shall die if these waves continue to pass over me. I said, Lord, I cannot bear any more. Yet I had no fear of death. How long it continued, I don't know. The baptism kept rolling over me. Mr. Finney, his assistant came in, the choir leader. <laughs> um, what ails you? Um, I could make no answer for him for some time. But then said, he said, are you in pain? I gathered myself up and said, no, but so happy I cannot live. He turned and left the office. In a few minutes, he returned with the elders of the church, whose shop was nearly across the way from his office. This elder was a very serious man and in my presence was very watchful. He scarcely ever laughed. When he came into my office, I began to tell him, instead of saying anything, he fell into the most spasmodic laughter. It seemed as if it was impossible for him to keep from laughing from the very bottom of his own heart. Smith Wigglesworth, born in 1859, about 30 years later. Wigglesworth said this, I was grounded in the Bible for teaching by the Plymouth Bre- Brethren. I marched under the blood and the fire banner of the Salvation Army, learning to win souls and open and the second blessing of sanctification and the clean of, cleanness of heart by a teaching by Reader Harris in the Pentecostal League. I claimed the gift of the Holy Spirit by faith and I waited 10 days before the Lord. But it was in Sunderland in nineteen oh seven. So now look at he was in ministry. I knelt before the Lord and I had an Acts two, experience, Acts 2 four experience. He described the experiences as follow. Mrs. Bodie, the minister's wife, came and laid hands on me, and then as she went out of the room the fire fell. There was a wonderful time that I was there with God alone. He bathed me in power. I was conscious of the cleansing of the precious blood. I cried out, clean, clean, clean. I was filled with the joy of the consciousness of the cleansing. I was given a vision in which I saw the Lord, Jesus Christ. I beheld the empty cross. I saw him exalted at the right hand of God the Father. I can speak no longer in English. I began to praise him in tongues as the Spirit of God gave me utterance. I knew then that I might have received the anointing previously, that now at last I had received the real baptism of the Holy Spirit as they did on Pentecost. It's at that point his ministry was launched. Many, many were raised from the dead. Sick ones were made well. It's, It's estimated that 23 people documented were raised from the dead by his ministry. Then you go on, to John G. Lake, here's another one, and we'll end here. John G. D. Lake, known as the Apostle from Africa, born in Canada in 1870, his family soon relocated. He had this explosive baptism, but he had gone to Africa. It says, eight years had passed when God revealed Jesus the healer to me. I'd been practicing ministry on healing, but during eight years of every answer to prayer, even miraculous touch, every response to my own soul created even a more intense longing for intimacy and consciousness of God. I felt like the disciples of Jesus in the primitive church, they must have had that same desire. Shortly after my entrance into ministry of healing, while attending a service where the necessity of the baptism of the Spirit was presented, you just had it the last two weeks, as I knelt in prayer and reconsecration to God, An anointing of the Spirit came upon me. Waves of holy glory passed through my being as I was lifted into a new realm of God's presence and power. And this answer to prayer was frequent in the miraculous healings that occurred. I felt myself on the borderland of a great spiritual realm but was unable to enter in fully until then. My nature was now to pursue him. I became the hungriest man of God that ever lived. Whew. These folks tarried, and there's so many more of them. It is something about the miraculous. So I want to stand. If we could key up um, Agnus day, I just want us to stand to our feet. And obviously this is a personal desire. But if you're here and you're saying, I want to live in the continual constant awareness of his presence to seek after him why don't you step get out of your seat and just come up and line up across the front it's an invitation to be living in awareness so Lord I just pray now Holy Spirit we invite your presence if you would like a more fullness just like you're gonna get a gift given just kinda stretch it out there's this willingness to receive Willingness to receive, and then just ask the Father to fill you with His Spirit. Just ask the Father, Lord, we want the gift of Your presence, God. We know we can't do this without You, but that's Your provision. Just receive. Just, if you have the gift of tongues, just start praying in tongues and witness the presence of God. If you want the gift of tongues, just ask Him to release that. Lord, I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, release the fire of your presence, God. Touch your people, God. Change us, God. Empower us. Come, Holy Ghost. Come, Holy Ghost. Father, release your presence. Release the gifts that you promised you would give. God, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Lord, we receive your goodness. We receive your purpose for our lives, God. Receive the goodness of God. Receive it now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I ask you to change your people. Lord, let us see differently. Lord, give us spiritual eyes to see. God, I ask for visitations, revelation, the spirit of wisdom and revelation that would be released. Lord, new dreams coming on your people, new unctions of God. God, whether you could do it by the spoken word, the revelation, or open visions, God, I ask that you would cause your people to be supernatural carriers of the glory, that we are not ashamed of the gospel. God, we thank you. Show us how to tell everybody about the one somebody that can make a difference. And now, Lord, we ask you to seal it in the name of Jesus for your purpose and your glory, God. Thank you, Lord. Just tell him that you love him and thank him for all that he did. Thank him for his sacrifice. And we ask you now, Jesus.